podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yo, what's going on, beautiful people? Apologies for the sound, having some technical issues. So we're going to try and record it off the iPhone. You're now locked into the Disunomics podcast. I hope you've had a good week. There was there seems to be issues with the last pod that will just drop on a midweek one. I did do a pod. I'm just going to upload it, um, but that will drop midweek. But yeah, let's get straight to down to business. It's quite ironic because I'm currently watching Usher's halftime show. Yeah, Usher's halftime show, and it's fitting <laughs> because what we're going to be talking about this week is put your hands up, bend your knees. Bounce around in the circle, get down with me. Oh, uh, 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 oh, it's your turn to learn. It's called the U-turn. For some of you youngsters that might not be familiar with some of Usher's classic hits, that is Usher U-turn. And it is befitting of lead of the opposition, some may believe potential prime minister-elect, Labour leader, Keir Starmer. Right? It's interesting because those who follow me know I've been making U-turn jokes regarding one of the previous <laughs> Conservative Prime Ministers, Boris Johnson, who seemingly almost every week was forced into an embarrassing U-turn. Now, we're going to be diving into Keir Starmer's U-turn, especially from the pledges when he ran for leader of opposition in 2020. Obviously, things like reached boiling point in the political world with, like, in the last couple of weeks, you've had the, oh, we're not going to put a cap on, bon- um, on bonuses for bankers, and, oh, we're going to also reverse this 28 billion green funding that we initially promised. That prompted me to give you guys a detailed look with regards to the litany of U-turns by Labour. But first, we're going to have a quick break and then we're going to get into it. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's been an interesting week in the political landscape with Labour... Going out sad, really and truly. These men are going out sad. In my opinion, and this is my opinion, and I think it's shared by quite a few people, Keir Starmer is effectively doing whatever it takes, like literally by any means necessary, to win the upcoming election. But many believe he doesn't have to go this far. We've had a Conservative government for 13 years. There's been a lot of economic downturn. The whole Boris, the whole Theresa May into Boris Johnson, into Liz Truss, into Rishi Sunak has been a complete fiasco. You've had scandal after scandal after scandal. COVID was handled terribly. The Rwanda bill is going up in flames. Like, loads and loads of mad stuff has been happening. But Keir seemingly is taking, I think, personally, a lot of political risks. And now he's looking flaky, in my opinion, weak. And a lot of Labour supporters are kind of thinking that this is like Tory light. Like, you're basically like mimicking the Tories, but like a diluted version. Do you know when you get the Rabina, you have to add water or the Robinsons? Like, that is how Keir Starmer's moving. So we're going to go through a bunch of the topics, or should I say pledges, that Keir Starmer was on one side, or key Labour officials, which obviously is coming from the top, and they switch sides. Let's start off with the nationalisation, right? So nationalisation is effectively when you take in, when certain industries or companies, they become under the ownership of the state, right? So it's run by the government. The NHS is the public health service of the country. It is run by the government. Obviously, you get private health care, 
and you get public healthcare, right? So private is when it's down to an individual who owns a company. There might be a board of directors. There might be stockholders. There might not be whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Cool. So when Keir Starmer ran for Labour leadership, he pledged to bring the public services into common ownership, right? So this is a clear indication that he wants to bring a lot of the public services. Um, he wanted to bring public services into common ownership, right? So this is stuff like rail, mail, energy and water. He named all of these by name. Name of these by name, but you know what I mean. <laughs> he was clearly indicated he also wanted to nationalise utilities. But by September 2021, right, he ruled out nationalising the big six energy companies. July 2022, he's Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves, and the Shadow Chancellor is effectively... The Chancellor of the Exchequer, which is currently Jeremy Hunt, is the money man of the government. And the Shadow is the leader of the opposition. Equivalent. So if they come into power, barring any reshuffles, Rachel Rees will be the Chancellor of the Exchequer. So July 2022, like just under a year later, Labour had gave up their plans to nationalise more public services, citing stricter fiscal rules. Sounds exactly like the Tories, right? Starmer then later suggests that he sees a possible role for public ownership in a rail network, but even this stance isn't really dissimilar to what we've been hearing from the Tories anyway. But again, he's still pretty committed to the stance of Shadow Chancellor Rachel Rees, which is this is a bit, it's going to cost us a pretty penny to do. U turn. Now let's look at outsourcing. So when you say outsourcing, I'm not talking about, you know what I'm saying, getting some people to come and do some jobs around your house instead of you doing it yourself. Nah, I'm talking about the NHS. So Starmer also pledged to stop the incremental rise in the involvement of the private sector in NHS. So where NHS can't um, offer or provide certain services, we're seeing more and more involvement from the private sector. Starmer indicated that he would outlaw outsourcing in NHS. However, summer 2022, he said the party was likely to continue with some level of private provision in the healthcare service if Labour were to win the next election. Health spokesperson West Streeton has also said he will hold the door, no, he'll hold the door wide open for the private sector with regards to NHS. That doesn't quite sound like you're going to abolish outsourcing. It sounds like you're going to business as usual. If not, get even more outsourcing with the private sector quite shambolic. Now let's talk about trade unions. Now Labour is traditionally meant to be the working man's party, trade unions, steel workers and all these people up north, like that was the heart and soul of Labour support. So you always expect Labour to side with the workers. I remember we've had all types of strikes from nurses to rail to trains to post office, all types of strikes. Starmer warned people, especially in the summer 22, he warned his shadow ministers that they can't join the workers on the picket lines. That means they can't join the workers. They can't be seen with workers actively protesting, going on strike. Sam Tarry, who was the shadow rail minister at the time, was actually sacked because he, of course, went to join the striking rail workers. Obviously, they pretended that it was to do with other stuff, but it was to do with that. Which is interesting because Keir Starmer promised that his Labour Party would work shoulder to shoulder with trade unions to stand up for working people. That's not really seeming accurate right now. Let's go on to universal credit. 
So universal credit is how the Conservative Party reformed the benefit system, where it's kind of all bundled into one particular number. It's like a complex thing, right? Starmer's initial stance, he wanted to abolish universal credit. But as soon as 2023, Labour's policy has now shifted to fundamentally reform. So that sounds like you're going to make big changes, but big changes is still not the same thing as abolish. Abolish is completely different. Now, if you look at Starmer's shadow work and pension secretary, John Ashworth, he said that the party actually agrees with the concept behind universal credit. So how do you go from we want to abolish it to actually, you know what, we actually fuck with it. Do you get what I'm saying? Crazy. Next up, Jeremy Corbyn. Now, quick history lesson. Jeremy Corbyn kind of represents the left of the Labour Party, right? More towards the size of socialism. Jeremy Corbyn, in my opinion, has an excellent track record when it comes to human rights. He's more of a pacifist. He doesn't believe in war. He believes in diplomacy. And he also believes in, like, nationalising and stuff, heavy investment in education and in a welfare state and so on and so forth. He really wants to kind of invest in people, right? Now, Keir Starmer, right? <laughs> Back in the 2020 leadership contest, Starmer was actually kind of known as a bit of a lefty on the left side of the party. And he also suggested that he'll continue to work with ex-leader Jeremy Corbyn and he even described him as a friend. Fast forward now, he barred Jeremy Corbyn as a Labour candidate over his views of anti-Semitism in the party. And I think the whole anti-Semitism thing of Jeremy Corbyn was, a, was one of the biggest smears in British politics history. He even U-turned on the the nature of their friendship, denying in the LBC interview that him and Corbyn had ever been friends. That is nasty work. He is a nasty brother. He is nasty. And the way they've done Corbyn, Diane Abbott, McDonald and all the pups is disgusting. But yeah, we're going to get into this. We're going to have a quick break. And we're going to continue into the U-turns. The next on the long laundry list of Labour U-turns is tuition fees. This was one of Corbyn's key pledges to abolish tuition fees. We saw tuition fees triple when, um, in the 2010 election when David Cameron won and he won a minority election. And this is when he became a minority government. This is when you get enough seats to be the winner, but not enough to have a majority. So you can't push your stuff through. So he did a bad bitch link up with Nick Clegg of the Liberal Democrats. And they had pretty opposite views on tuition fees. And that's when we saw tuition fees triple from 3000 to 9000 per year. Corbyn wanted to abolish tuition fees altogether to make universities accessible to as many people as possible. And when State, pardon me, and when Keir Starmer ran for leader, he also pledged to abolish university tuition fees as well. Come May 23, he said he was likely to move away from that commitment. He put it to the dire economic situation and will look to focus on lowering graduates' monthly repayments. <sighs> Understandable, because obviously we're in a, in a hickey-hagger economic situation, but again, this is another U-turn. Childcare. So if we check an interview the Sunday Times at the start of last year, Labour's Shadow Education Secretary Bridget Phillips Philipson announced that Starmer's ambitious child health care child health care why am I saying child health care, sorry. Sorry people. Child care plans, right? He's pledged that the party would guarantee child care from the end of parental leave until the end of primary school, like an NHS style system. Now, six months later, 
The Guardian reported that the shadow ministers were exploring other options. And a Labour spokesperson for the newspaper that an expansion of childcare to all, tra- to all children is not a Labour policy. So that kind of just secretly snuck under the radar. And that policy sounds great for us people with children, but it does sound quite an expensive policy. But nevertheless, that was pledged and it was yanked backwards. You get what I'm saying? This is a very interesting one. So we're looking at the high income earners and the so-called wealthy, right? So Labour, I've been big on pay your fair share of tax. Corbyn looking to increase the tax rate for those earning 80,000 was a big contentious um, point. I think it was either, was it a 2017 election or was it the 2019 election? So taxation was a big point. And there's been a lot of talk about, oh, we want to tax wealth. We want to get the rich and the people more privileged to pay their fair share, so on and so forth. A lot of accusations from Labour telling Tory they're like just giving tax cuts to their mates, so on and so forth. In the leadership campaign in 2020, one of Starmer's key pledges was to increase income tax for the top 5% of earners. However, last summer, 2023, speak to Telegraph, he said that his principle was to lower taxes and he isn't looking to lever, further lever taxation. Hold on. You can't go from increased tax for those in the top 5% to your principle now. Now, now you're a principled man. It is wild, bro. Absolutely wild. Now, let's go back to Rachel Reeves, the shadow chancellor. She said last August they have no plans for a wealth tax. And a wealth tax is a form of tax that's going to target people's wealth. Like, you know you have income tax, that's just people's income. That's your earnings. So from your job, from your business, that's your earnings. Wealth tax is when people start to look at assets, whether it be property, stocks and shares, um, high like high value items like um, paintings and stuff like that. Maybe it's land, maybe it's businesses that you own. Right? Cool. In 2021, Shadow Chancellor Rachel Rees told the Sunday Times, people who get their income through wealth should have to pay more, specifying those who get their income through stocks and shares, as well as buy-to-let properties. So people that have houses and then they're letting them out, they're getting their rental income, eating. People that get money from dividends, right? Um, in my company, I remember one of like the directors, or maybe not quite director, but like in my department, somebody's quite senior, she's been working for the company for a long time. And apparently she told my one of my other colleagues that the reason why she's in the company for so long because my company gives shares. Every year, discretionally, they give shares. So over the years, and obviously if you're high up in the company, you get more shares. Over the years, she's accumulated so many, so many shares is that, that her dividends are almost the same as her salary. So this is an extra level of income. Do you get what I'm saying? Several Labour officials criticised routinely government decisions to remove the cap on bonuses for bankers, including Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves, who says, tells you everything you need to know about this government. But three months later, Rachel Reeves announced that her party would not reinstate the cap after all, and she's unveiled a package of reforms meant to woo the economic powerhouses of the City of London. It's just the same as the Tories, bro. They are literally going machine for machine with the Tories. Another interesting one, the abolishment of the House of Lords. The House of Lords is the second chamber in UK politics. So you've got the House of Commons, that's got over 600 members, and they are people that represent the constituency and they are elected in every general election, right? 
We've got the House of Lords who are not elected by any form of election by the people. They are kind of recommended by the parties. So they're effectively unelected, right? He promised in 2020 to abolish the House of Lords. He reaffirmed this pledge in November 2022. But come June 2023, Starmer's spokesperson indicated that they may appoint new peers into the chamber. Wait, hold on. How do you be appointing new peers into the chamber? That means they're going to appoint their own house of their own lords in the house when you want to abolish it. Labour's shadow leader of the house, Tagnum Debenar, confirmed last year plans to abolish the lords were in a back burner. The argument that was that this constitutional changes takes time and drains energy because it could change you the way things have been done for a long time is energy consuming. Did you not know this before you made this as a pledge? Laughable. Big tech. Rachel Rees announced a digital service tax plan in 2021. This is where Labour would increase the 2% levy charge on the revenues of tech firms operating in the UK, such as Amazon and Facebook, right? So obviously these companies make big money and they pay a levy of 2%. She wanted to increase it to 10% because these companies are making big money and there's a chance to kind of gain some more tax receipts from these companies. The Shadow Chancellor also reaffirmed this in 2022, of September, 2022 September. However, in response to a time story in June 2023, a Labour spokesman confirmed, spokesperson shall I say, confirmed that the party now had no plans to raise the digital tax service. No plans. And they argued that Rachel Reed's previous position applied to only the years 2022-2023, 2023-2024. That doesn't make sense because they weren't in government and there weren't going to be no election. That doesn't make no sense. Moving on. <laughs> we still got a few more. Rent control. We all know rent in this country is wild. It is absolutely wild, right? Wild beyond belief. So expensive. Something needs to be done. Shadow House, Housing Minister Lisa Nandy said that she was personally interested and attracted by the idea of rent controls in 2022. Nine months later, she pulled out the policy saying it's sticking a plaster on a bigger issue and it will only increase homelessness. She still isn't, well, currently she's not the housing minister anymore, but ruling out imposing controls on rentals is part is part of party policy. They they're not into restricting private rent and trying to make it more equitable for the renters, the people. Child benefit. Listen to these words: heinous, inhumane, obscene. That's these are some of the quotes from some of Labour's top officials with regards to the Conservatives' two child benefit cap, which prevents British parents from claiming welfare benefits for more than two children. Keir Starmer too had promised to scrap the policy if he ran when he ran for leader. But come July 2023, you guessed it, Starmer's new position was that Labour government is not changing that policy, as in the, as is the norm these days. An internal row obviously agreed to these words. <laughs> They're just the same, bro. We're actually not spoke for choice. We are picking two versions. Like this is like an iOS update of the Tories. Gender recognition. Now, we saw a lot of um, issues with um, 
like an ill-timed joke, which was quite uh, disrespectful from um, Rishi Sunak in the House of Commons with regards to a trans person. Um, I think I'm going to might do a separate topic on this because um, I actually want to really get into it because it's quite interesting, like how both parties are trying to tackle this issue or this discourse. Something enough a day. Starwood previously had punished to scrap the current need for a transgender person to obtain a medical diagnosis of gender dys dysphoria. They need to obtain this before they can be eligible to legally change their sex. However, 2023 summer, you guessed it, Annalisa Dodds committed to only a modernisation of the Gender Recognition Act and not scrapping the need for you to obtain a medical diagnosis. Workers' rights. The Financial Times reported in August that Labour's National Policy Forum had watered down plans to strengthen workers' rights. Remember, I told you at the top with the trade unions, Labour's material party for the workers. They had a pledge in 2021 to create a single worker status for all but the genuinely self-employed. But now, they're scrapping that. <laughs> Next, the ceasefire. The Labour leaders even suggested, let me say Labour that, I mean, Keir Starmer, in the LBC interview that Israel has the right to cut off power or water in Gaza. Obviously, this caused massive fury. And as we've seen, as things have got worse and worse and worse, and you can't deny what has happened in Gaza, Labour has started to backtrack and backtrack and backtrack and backtrack. They weren't talking about ceasefire at all. They were against it. Remember November last year, when 10 Labour frontbenchers quit in order to vote for an SNP motion calling for ceasefire? We had Labour councillors quit up and down the country. Fast forward now, when now... The majority of people in Gaza are crammed into Rafa, which is southern Gaza towards Egypt. And that's the last place where they could be. And Israel are talking about going in and bombing and having a ground offensive there and then removing people from there to where? Only God knows. Now, David Lammy, now Kirstama wants to call for a sustainable ceasefire. When previously you were suggesting that a ceasefire benefits Hamas. Pathetic and spineless. Next up, and finally, the environment. Labour pledged $28 billion a year to save the planet. However, <laughs> after internal and external pressure on this green investment plan, they got, it, it's died. It's effectively died. The pledge has been watered down from initial plan from 28 billion a year on a raft of eco-friendly policy to a target of ramping up towards the, the total at some stage. Labour is sticking to its headline goal of clean power by 2020, 2030. But now they've kind of watered this shit down. These men are mudded. All they have done is twerk, 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 twerk. And it's so annoying for us as voters because... These are the two main parties. We don't have a choice. This is not, this is not an effective opposition. And now we don't know what Starmer stands for. We don't know what he's going to do in power. <sighs> Shocking. We're so muddled, man. But yeah, man. Oh, God. Let me know what you guys think of this week's pod, man. Ah, oh, mate. I'm just demoralised. We've got a lecture later this year and the choice is just not there. It's just not there. Spineless Rishi Sunak, who's basically vanished... 
with regards to um, what's going on in Gaza, David Cameron's running everything. And obviously we've had 13 years of trash performance from the Tories and then we've got fake-ass Tory in Keir Starmer. Sport for choice. Anyway, people, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And until midweek, peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.